Welcome to Truth Triumphant Radio. I'm your host, Cody Mori. Today I wanted to look at some things uh, related to the law of God, specifically. And, um, well, mostly related to... I want to try to stay very biblical with all the sources. Today I do have a Spirit of Prophecy quote at the very end, but it'll be very clear um, that this is a Bible-based teaching, and really what I want to I talk about today is something that um, I'm sure most of you are familiar with who are Sabbath-keeping Christians and, and others who, who perhaps are not that uh, are, are listeners, and that is the concept of the law of love. And that this in the New Testament replaces the old law of God, as in the the Ten Commandments, and specifically the well, in a way, mostly just the Fourth Commandment, but specifically the Ten Commandments. It's a way of basically saying that the law has been done away with because because now we are to love each other. And they get this quote from Jesus. From John chapter 13 verses 33 through 35 and it says little children yet a little while I am with you you shall seek me and as I said unto the Jews whither I go you cannot come so now I say to you a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you and that you also love one another by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if he have love one to another. So, many people quote this nowadays, um, especially seeker-sensitive churches that um, don't really want to preach the full gospel, and they talk about just, you know, just loving people. And, you know, what does that mean when you love people? Well, you just simply accept them for who they are, don't tell them about... At least this is the way it gets translated nowadays. You know, you don't talk about the sin problem, you don't really talk about repentance. Well, you might, you might a little bit, depending on which church you're in. Uh, but this is a, a big time mega church teaching that you'll find in a lot of different mega churches, uh, and it's basically that you know you, you don't focus on the sin problem as much. You you dumb that down. Yeah, depend as I said, depending on the church, there might be asking for forgiveness and repentance and things like that. But not a repentance in the sense of actually turning away from the sin, but just simply acknowledging that it's there and giving it to God. Which, you know, of course, any one of us could agree is is a step if you're if you're going from heathen to Christian, it, it's a step in the right direction. However, however, is that what the Bible teaches? And the answer is no. And you know. I'm bringing this up now just because as we're seeing the things, folks, going on in the world today, we have to remain focused. And we have to remain focused on what the issues are. What the issues are. The issues are not all these side issues that are plaguing Adventism today and other churches and plenty of other independent 
uh, and mainstream churches alike. All these different distractions and, and arguings with each other about these, these side doctrines, which I talked about in depth last week. So it's important for us to stay focused on what actually does matter and what actually is coming down the pike. And the fact of the matter is, whether um, you don't have a conviction for the Sabbath at this time, or you are convicted about the Sabbath and you're listening, the final events uh, on this earth's history are going to be all about God's commandments. I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you with three verses from the book of Revelation. First one's in chapter 12. The first one is in chapter 12 and verse 17. It says, And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus. Now, without going into the testimony of Jesus uh, portion specifically here, just focusing on the commandment side, you can see that God is identifying his true people as those which keep the commandments of God. Now, what are the commandments of God? Well, the commandments of God are the commandments of God, right? I mean, they're the Ten Commandments. So, let's jump forward to Revelation chapter 14. And verse 12, uh, the final word uh, surrounding the third angel's message here. It says, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So, they, God's last day people, again, they keep the commandments of God. Another Highlighting it again. Now let's jump forward to Revelation chapter 22. And verse 14, and it says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. So, in other words, the, the people that live in the New Jerusalem and will be partaking of the tree of life, therefore uh, inheriting eternal life perpetually by partaking of that tree of life, they are the ones who do his commandments. So this is a very important thing. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, the people that talk about that, oh, well, that keeping the commandments, that all that means now is is loving people. You know, you don't want to offend people by having crosses up and things like that. A lot of things you see in these seeker-sensitive churches. And they they end up getting a lot of people to go, right? Don't they? I mean, you see that they become mega churches. They have thousands, uh, sometimes tens of thousands. I believe uh, Joel Osteen's, Joel Osteen's uh, really somewhat prosperity gospel there. Well, not somewhat. It is prosperity gospel. Um He's got something like 70,000 people. Uh, it's, it's basically a stadium when he has one of his sermons. Now, I don't know how many, how many of those seats are actually full at any given time, or if they all are, um, but that's a lot of people. So that message really attracts people because what are you doing? You're offering people salvation without requiring anything 
from them uh, in in uh, I don't know how to word it I guess in return I mean we we know that you can't do anything to be saved it is a free gift and now that's a fact however God does not give you the free gift of eternal life and expect you to continue to let's say I mean to put things in perspective let's say somebody's a serial murderer right now that now that's a very uh, harsh exaggeration right but let's say someone's a serial murderer and they accept the gift of eternal life and then they continue doing that are they going to be saved well of course not now the person that's talking about the law of love they might say well he does he's not loving people by killing them well maybe he is in his own way and now that there's truth to that in the sense of you can flip that right back on people and say well you know if you really love people you will tell them um, about the sin problem you will you will warn them about sin that might be in their lives that are that are creating a a void between them and their maker however let's actually look at scripture let's look at the gospel and see what it has to say in regards to God's love and God's law so let's let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 through 28 and it said, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And, ans and he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. So, a couple things. First off, somebody asks him, someone asks Jesus directly, think about this. They ask Jesus directly. This is in New Testament times, right? When the law is, he's doing away with the law, supposedly, right? He's, this is his perfect opportunity to say, just love people, right? But that's not what he says. What does he say? What, how does, how does this individual to inherit eternal life? He says, what's written in the law? And he, he places the responsibility on him. He's like, how do you, what are you, what are you reading? What's your understanding? What do you see in that? How readest thou? And then this lawyer, he answers and he talks about love. Think about that. So there's a law and there's love. He says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy uh, strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And then Jesus answers him, and he says, You have answered right. Do this, and thou shalt live. So there's God's law, right? And then there's love, specifically. Now, Someone might say, well, yeah, you got to love God and love other people, That, but that doesn't mean the Ten Commandments specifically. Well, we got to understand, we got to understand what, what that means according to Scripture, because it's not what it means according to me or, or according to you. 
It's what it means according to the gospel, according to the New Testament and the Old Testament. So there's another, there's actually another example of a similar scenario that happens in Matthew chapter 22. And start off in verse 35. It says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? All right, so now he's asking him specifically about the law, and he's saying, which one's the highest, which one's the best? And then Jesus, uh, verse 37, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So, I'm not going to read verse 40 just yet. I'm going to stop right there just, just to, to point out a few things. Number one, he's asking about the law, right? He's asking which is the greatest of the commandments, really. And Jesus answers him by talking about love again. And he talks about that great commandment found in Deuteronomy. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And then he says, this is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. And this is uh, mentioned in Leviticus. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, when you look at the Ten Commandments, when you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four are related to your relationship with God. Um, they are a guidebook, if you will, on how to have a relationship with God. You know, the, the first commandment is that you shall have no other gods before me. The second commandment deals with idols. The third commandment deals with taking the Lord's name in vain. And the fourth commandment deals with the worship time, um, the Sabbath rest, and identifies God as the God of the seventh-day Sabbath. Now, all four of those commandments are directly related to your relationship with God and not with other people. Idolatry might be something that people do together, but they're not doing it against each other or with each other or for each other, if you will, but they are doing it against God. They are committing a sin against God. Now, the second table of the law has to deal with our relationship to each other. So one is a vertical relationship, right, between you and God, and this and the other the other ones, which are uh, quite a bit shorter, are a horizontal relationship. In a way, it kind of forms a cross if you think about it. Hadn't thought about that till just now, but um, you got the vertical and the horizontal. Now the horizontal, um, you start with the fifth commandment, and it says to honor thy mo thy mother and thy father that thy days might be long in the land. And that's, again, that's a relationship with, with humanity. That's not necessarily directly towards God, though, the, though it can be interpreted that way too, honoring thy Father in heaven. Um, and then you have, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness or lying, and you shall not covet thy neighbor's 
house or his goods or anything. So all those commandments on the second table of the law have to deal with our relationship with each other, with our neighbor, with our friend, with our enemy, with everyone. So it's important for us to keep that in mind because when Jesus is explaining this, the great commandment, he's actually explaining all 10 of the commandments. But he's showing, and don't miss this, he's showing that the greatest of the commandments is when the principle of love uh, is the actuating principle that helps you to keep those commandments. In other words, I keep the Sabbath because I love God, not because I think it saves me. I have no other gods before him because I'm... I love my God and, I, and there's there's no other gods I want around him. I don't take his name in vain because I respect him. I care about him. I don't want to say things that, that are going to hurt him. I don't commit idolatry because I don't want to break his heart. See, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And Jesus says that's the first and great commandment. That's the starting point. Next, because of your relationship with God and, and, and the love that burns within you, then you're able to be filled with God's love and then give that to your neighbors, to your friends, to your family, to even your enemies and those that want to persecute you. And then... The actuating principle, which will make you honor your mother, your mother and your father, they'll make you not want to kill, not want to steal, not want to commit adultery, is that you love humanity, you love your neighbor as yourself, right? Because if you think about it, if I'm if I love somebody, am I going to kill them? If I love somebody, am I going to steal from them? Am I going to lie to them? Am I going to covet what they have? Am I going to commit adultery against them? Of course not. Because if you love somebody, you commit to them to do, especially when you're in a... a a intimate relationship but even even on even on like a brotherly terms like a brotherhood or something in like in the military you don't do that type of stuff to your brother you don't do that type of stuff to to the one you are seeking to make your spouse or if they already are your spouse you wouldn't do any of those things to them you want to protect them from those things why because you love them. And I, and I want to mention again that when they're asking about the law here and what's the greatest commandment, Jesus is pointing them to love. He's pointing them to the aspect in which they miss because the, the Jews at the time were all about keeping the law in an outward sense, but within their hearts were hardened. They were stiff-necked in many ways. And this is why Jesus was trying to explain to them things about sin and about matters of the heart. 
and that it's the heart that God wants, such as on the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, when you look at a woman and lust after her, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So don't think that you're not committing adultery just because you don't do it outwardly. Now, so he's acknowledging the heart issue, and the only, the only prescription medication for the heart issue in man just as Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says the heart is desperately wicked not desperately sinful not desperately iniquitous wicked the heart is desperately wicked and the only antidote is God's love not any love not the love of not the love humanity gives in in its carnal sense but the the love that comes from on high and that is true meaningful love a type of love where somebody would be willing to lay down their life for their friends that's what no greater love is now I'm going to read verse 40 and this puts things in strong perspective so just to back up a second Jesus was asked what are the great commandments he lists that you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind he says that's the first commandment and the second's like unto it thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself then it says this on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets so in other words the entire Old Testament is in agreement with this teaching that he's talking about now the Old Testament clearly teaches you can read it in Deuteronomy and Exodus, the entire uh, Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. So these two commandments that they're talking about here, they are in perfect agreement. And actually, these commandments are hung by the Old Testament. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, they anchored this law. So he's not teaching anything new in other words this is an old teaching now it actually becomes even more clear when you go to the Apostle Paul when the Apostle Paul which a lot of people use verses in Galatians and things like that where he talks about um, you know the schoolmaster was the old law and things like that and they use that to sort of try to say that that Paul is saying that the law has been done away with. However, if you go to Romans, now I'm a firm believer that the Bible does not contradict itself. So when it appears to contradict itself, I realize that there is an issue with my understanding and not with what the Bible is trying to teach. So I try to seek to find what the answer is in regards to how, how these two verses that appear to be contradictory how do I make sense of them and make them so that they actually work together? And many times it doesn't actually take that much research to do this. It just takes a little bit of uh, looking at a few verses and saying, oh, okay, this is what the Lord means here. Now, so let's go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And... I'm going to start in verse 28. Actually, I'll do 
27. It says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, many people, we'll stop there just for a second. Many people will say, oh, the, uh, the folks that are teaching that God's law is still in effect, they're, they're legalists and they're, they have a works-based righteousness. Well, that's simply not true. The belief system that a true Bible-believing Christian on these topics has is this understanding that we are to keep God's commandments, but we actually can't keep God's commandments. It's an order or it's a check that we can't cash. We don't have the power or the strength to do it ourselves. However, that doesn't mean that the law is gets done away with because we can't keep it. No. The law stays. The law remains. What God does is he gives us the ability to keep it. Now, he does that through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So we are uh, expected to keep the law of God because we have the tools to do it. And those tools are the Holy Spirit, praying for the Holy Spirit, devotion time, the eight laws of health, and spreading the message. These are ways in which we fill our cup and give ourselves strength for the next fight. So now it goes on, it says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I read that. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God, which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. So he's talking specifically about circumcision there. So that's something you should keep in mind when talking about uh, the deeds of the law there. Those are the deeds of the law that he's talking about um, that are going away. Now, it says this in verse 31. It says, do we make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. So the Apostle Paul is actually saying the opposite. He's not saying the law has been done away with. He's saying that it's actually more established than it was before because God is giving us, God has revealed to us and is giving us the ways in which to keep it. That's, actually, that's grace. That's what grace really is. Grace isn't a free pass to continue to sin. Grace is God's gift to us to give us power to be able to keep his commandments. Power that we don't have. That's grace. It's a free gift. It's given to all. None can boast. None, none will be in heaven boasting saying, oh yeah, I did so good. I kept the law and did this and that because it, it doesn't work that way. Each one of us, you and me, we have a choice. Every morning when we wake up, we have a choice. We can do things our way or we can beg God to give us the power of the Holy Spirit that we might keep his commandments and do his will that day and that we might impact the sphere of influence that we have for his kingdom.
those are the choices that we have each and every morning. And every morning, His mercies are new, folks. So if, if you messed up, messed up today, you messed up yesterday, if you messed up this whole last month, tomorrow is a new day. And you can keep God's commandments, all the commandments, by simply asking Him for the ability to do so, asking Him for the grace that you lack in power to be able to keep God's commandments. Now that that's not workspace righteousness at all because it's not you doing the work. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that is empowering you to be able to obey God. That's mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? I think that's such a beautiful message because if you think about it, what a dead message it is to say saved in sin. Now, some of us might hear that and say, oh, man, that's awesome. I can continue to sin and not feel bad about it. But if you're somebody who has been in my situation, which I've struggled with alcohol, and if somebody were to come up to me and say, don't worry, brother, God has forgiven you, but you're going to keep on drinking until he comes. You're not going to be able to overcome it. Folks, that's, that's a death sentence for me. And that's not a God I want to follow. Because I was in bondage to alcohol. And I couldn't break it. I'm telling you, folks, I tried with all my might to find different hobbies, to find ways to try to distract myself, to bog, my down, bog myself down with all sorts of extra work and everything so that I didn't have time. I just, I still found a way to do it. And I used to get so mad about that. I used to get so mad. I remember getting so mad when I was in the Marine Corps because I would think about drinking. I would think about drinking. This happened a number of times. In the afternoon, I would think about drinking around lunchtime or something. I was like, hmm, maybe I'll drink tonight. And I would get so mad because I knew that there was nothing that was going to stop me from drinking that night. Even though I, even though deep down I really didn't want to so folks that's a dead message but our message the gospel is this the true message that the Bible teaches is this Christ came to save sinners just like you just like me he came to forgive our pasts and to give us a new life a life with him he's paid the price for our sins He's offering full forgiveness. He wants to cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. But he's not done there. He doesn't want sin to reign over us anymore. He doesn't want us to be slaves to sin anymore. He gives us the grace and power to be overcomers of sin, to not be enslaved to Satan's temptations and devices anymore. He gives us the power to be the sons and daughters of God through grace and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at a couple more verses that were running a little bit over time, but I just want to, I, I think this is important. And it really nails the, I think this one puts the nail in the coffin, uh, not this particular verse, but a couple ones coming up, and we'll just close out after Romans. But uh, Romans chapter 6, in verse 1, the Apostle Paul, again, 
What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? So in other words, should we should are we saved in sin or is grace does grace mean that we have a free pass on sin? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we are also should walk in newness of life. In verse, jumping down to verse 6, it says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and that henceforth we should not serve sin. So the, the desire is that we not serve sin. So how do you not serve sin? Well, if you're not serving sin, you're automatically keeping the commandments of God because sin is transgression of the law. Now let's jump down to verse 15. Actually, four, let's do 14 first. The Apostle Paul again says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that whom, to whom ye yield your servants, yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? So he's telling us here that if you, if you yield your, uh, yourself as a servant of sin, it will lead to death. Whereas if you yield yourself as a servant to obedience, obedience to what? God's commandments. Then that will lead to righteousness. Which is literally the definition of keeping God's commandments. Because sin is transgression of the law. Now, this, this is the nail in the coffin to the idea that the law has been done away with and that we are just simply to love on people. Because... The Apostle Paul, in accordance with and in full agreement with Jesus in the Gospels, the Apostle Paul points out in Romans chapter 13 what the law of love is. Listen carefully. He says in verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. There you go. The law, the, that's what the law is, right? He who loves the, another hath fulfilled the law. Now, verse 9, he, he goes further and he actually explains what that means. He says, for this, Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Loveth worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, he's saying love is the fulfilling of the law, and then what law does he describe? Where is it written, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal? It's not in the law of Moses. It's not in the sanctuary services, specifically, but it is in the Ten Commandments. Therefore, the keeping of the Ten Commandments is the fulfillment of the law of love, specifically.
isn't that interesting so that whole idea so in other words truly loving your neighbor and loving God means keeping his commandments now I want to close with one more quote I said I would do one from the spirit of prophecy and we have review and Herald July 21st 1891 mrs. white gives a great explanation of this issue right here the attributes most prized by Jesus are unselfish love and purity everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God if we love one another God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us God is love and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him now those quotes are from first John she goes on she says the entire law is fulfilled in him who loves God supremely and his neighbor as himself this is the revelation of God through Jesus Christ to the world it is Christianity glory to God in the highest and on earth peace goodwill to men the work Christianity is designed to achieve in the world is not to depreciate the law of God not to detract from its sacred dignity in the slightest degree but is to write that law in the mind and heart when the law of God is thus implanted in the soul of the believer, he is approaching eternal life through the merits of Jesus. Now, I would, I would challenge all of you to remember to keep uh, what's important, the important issues at heart, and to, to remain close to Jesus. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. I know it seems, it's not, it doesn't seem, it is daily we are hearing about uh, calamities, wars, rumors of wars, all sorts of things that are going on. But remember, we should lift up our heads and understand that our redemption draws nigh. So right now, we have an opportunity to get closer to God, to pass out literature and materials to people, to get people to into Bible studies and, and teach people the truth in a way that we haven't seen before, at least not in the last hundred years or so uh, people are very interested in things right now and we have a great work that we can be doing but keep keep in mind what is important we should be sharpening our skills with the arguments about the law and allowing this uh, these types of teachings to penetrate our hearts so that we can tell others when they have questions that we can give them a reason for the hope that is in us and we are way over time today. I'm sorry about that, but I just felt very strongly about this particular issue. And I know it's going to be coming up more and more. So hopefully put a few tools in your toolbox. Uh, if not, I hope it was uh, at least a blessing to you. And remember, God loves each and every one of you. And he wants you. He wants you like you were the only person to ever walk the face of the earth. He wants you in his kingdom. And if you feel that you've made mistakes, you've messed up, just come to him now and, and he will accept you. And ask, ask and beg for him to, to come into your life and to transform you in a way that you've never seen before. Keep the faith, friends. I'm Cody Moore and you've been listening to Truth Triumphant Radio. God bless.